The schedule, the job, the kids. Take some time just for you. It's Sunday mornings with Dee Daniels on B101.5, powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital. Here for you. And now, Dee Daniels. Good Sunday morning and welcome to the show, the show that is all about you and your life and your world in what has become one of the most historic years of my lifetime and likely yours and also what has become one of the most historic life-changing weeks we will ever know. I am honored to welcome my guest this week on the Sunday show, a familiar face and voice in our region, especially in Stafford and Fredericksburg, Virginia Delegate Joshua Cole. Delegate Cole, thank you so much for being our guest this morning. Good morning, Dee. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You know, uh, I think it was about the second day, uh, Joshua, into the protest that um, around the country uh, and around the world that I was talking about the events going on during the morning show. And, and I said that there's a message here that's always been there, but it's getting much louder right now. And I saw a couple of texts come in during that conversation uh, live on the air that said, what exactly is the message right now? Now, to me, the message is, is very clear. It's, you know, in police brutality it's it's wake up racism is still here and it needs to end but you've been at these marches you've been at these protests you've walked with the people in the streets you've been face to face with our police officers in your words what is the message right now I think right now the frustration that's coming from all the people who are protesting outside, and mind you, there are a lot of people who are frustrated who are not protesting as well, but a lot of people are just tired of the inequalities and the oppression um, against brown and black people. Um, And and when I say that, what I mean is uh, many people think these protests are just about George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or or Ahmaud Arbery or Tony McDade. And these protests are greater than just them. Of course, they are important, and we need to pay attention to what happened to them as well. But people are protesting not just against police brutality, but against the inequalities in the school system for communities of color, uh, protesting against the inequalities in the economic system for black and brown people, um, and the inequalities that they face every single day. I had one guy told me, he said, yeah, I'm out here protesting for George Floyd, but I'm protesting that white people look at me funny because I have dreads, even mm. though I have a master's degree and I do well for myself. Right. Um, so a lot of people are just frustrated at uh, this is the culmination of that frustration right now. You know, I, I, I com- completely agree. I, you know, I was out at one of the protests with my family and, and the, the palpable frustration, you know, is there. And I know that, that you feel it too. It's, it is, it is one of those things. I'm not sure if you haven't been out in the street, uh, you know, at any of these protests, I'm not sure that you would see it necessarily through the television or on your, Mm -hmm. on your phone as much as if you just stood there and felt it. It is, it is, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people are missing out. Um, if they're not talking to their friends and family members who are out there and they're just watching what's on the media and just watching on TV, they're going to miss it. They're really going to miss it. You know, I'd like to talk for a moment about the removal of the slave auction block in uh, downtown. I remember uh, the moment I heard about it, the the mm-hmm. second I heard about it, my first thought was thank god finally um can you describe some of your emotions around this massive historic change here locally that just happened or have you even had time to process that (laughs) 
Well, uh, I had a couple of different mixed emotions. Um, initially, when I found out about the slave auction block as a kid, you know, it, I grew up here and it really didn't, quote unquote, matter to me, yeah. if you will. Um, and, you know, black people are not monolithic. So there are some of the older generation who live here, who grew up here, who said it needed to remain. And there were some who had a change of heart. And once they voted for it and they had it, you know, the council voted for it about a year or so ago to have it removed, it was like a sigh of relief. A lot of us breathed a sigh of relief. And um, after the whole court cases went through, it was like, you know, you still had to endure that pain. You were going through the court cases. Uh, the, it was said that it was going to get removed. And then we still had to wait. And so finally, for me waking up, um, I was told by uh, leadership in the city that it was going to be removed this month. And I was like, OK, we, we just got to wait. We just got to wait. And two days later, I wake up to text messages that they're removing the slave auction block right now at about seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, so it was like, again, like a burden had been lifted. Mm -hmm. um, and but it's key to understand that there are still people who did not want the slave auction block removed who are black because they said they don't want history to be forgotten. And so that's why I'm really glad uh, that the city of Fredericksburg placed a plaque explaining what was in that place um, and so that we would never forget the history of what happened on that corner. Yeah, definitely. Virginia Delegate Joshua Cole, my guest on the Sunday show this week. And of course, we're talking about uh, so many things, this very, very important conversation that uh, we need to all be having. Um, I want to talk a little bit uh, for a moment, too, about some of the raw emotion front and center at George Floyd's funeral service this week, um, this past week. Al Sharpton, my goodness, brought tears to my eyes yeah. several, several times. Uh, but this week, the conversation has also centered around defunding the police and police reform. And I think, yeah. uh, Josh, that some of that conversation has been a bit of a gray area for a lot of people. Can you explain your take on this and where we are with that locally? Absolutely. I have always been one that talked about criminal justice reform and reform for our police departments. Um, and me working in the school system in Richmond, my big thing was the school to prison pipeline and reviewing how school resource officers were utilized to handle discipline in the schools. Um, and so what, this is what I'm hearing. Um, and I haven't taken a stance. I know uh, some people might be frustrated with me because I haven't taken a stance or some people are frustrated because they think they know what my stance is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are a couple of different arguments that are flowing around right about now. The abolish the police movement where they literally want um, police departments gone and replaced uh, with peace officers or different things like that. And then the defunding the police uh, call and defunding the police, from what I'm gathering, does not mean wiping away the police force. It literally means taking a lot of that excess funding um, that the police departments are utilizing for over militarization of their police force and uh, putting it in other places like in education or mental health or finding out ways to help police officers with their own mental health. Um, and so it's become a catchphrase now to defund the police as a negative connotation. But I think we have to really look at what that terminology means. And I found this article online. And if you just give me a few moments, I'll read it to you. It says, um, defund the police does not mean eliminate all police funding. Defund the police means police will be funded. Police will not be overfunded. Redistribute the city budget and everyone gets a fair share. Defund the police because police should focus on crimes and criminals, 
Police are not mental health counselors. Mm. Police are not social workers. Police are not medical professionals. Police are not education specialists. And police should not be responsible for everything. Um, and so when I got that, I was like, whew. I mean, I think a lot of people would agree with that. We yeah. have to focus on what the issues are, you know, when police are called to review situations and circumstances. And we have to make sure that they're doing what their job is. And people fail to realize that when we put a lot of pressure on police officers, that's a lot of pressure and a lot of mental strain on them as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I feel like we you're right. We as a country for a long time have asked police officers to do many, many, many jobs um, mm-hmm. that uh, that maybe we well, not maybe that definitely we need to look at in a, in a different way. Um, and, and yeah. you know, I'm thinking about, like you said, like uh, the mayor in Los Angeles, you know, he's already agreed to cut up one hundred and fifty million dollars from the police budget and invest that into communities of color. You know, just doing mm-hmm. just that move alone shifting this money uh to other places where it needs to be i think is already making a statement do you agree i agree absolutely um and and again if people are just watching from tv um if they're not having these conversations they're going to miss it so they think that we're going to wipe out the police force and and i think many people are missing it and that that's not it um we still have to do some review here um, we do know that in Stafford County and the city of Fredericksburg, they are doing some leading things that other police forces and sheriff's departments in the Commonwealth of Virginia are not doing. Um, so we want to take a look at what they're doing. I know some people may not be happy at the response of what happened over these past couple of weeks, um, which you know should be handled and should be handled appropriately. Uh, but let's take a look at some of the measures that they're doing, um, why there has not been issues um, in the city of Fredericksburg and Stafford County prior to this. Um, let's look at um, implicit bias training and different things like that. Um, but I stand firmly behind the fact that there needs to be serious reform. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, speaking of the things that have happened over the last couple of weeks, let's talk a little bit about that. I know this is a a very heated discussion for a lot of people, um, but you have been right on the front line with a lot of these protests, and you you have been there and seen the faces of, uh, like you said, not just young people uh, walking uh, for this, but Mm -hmm. but you've seen this, and the response locally uh, from the get-go has been questioned and and uh, there's been um, there's been a lot of a lot of confusion, I think, from people who are just watching from the outside. Can you talk a little bit yep. about about how things have gone in these protests? Yeah, th- now this is again from my personal observation, and so I'm sure everyone has their own story and their own experience. Um, but I, I think a lot of the major issues started on Sunday uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. There were peaceful protests that started to rise up all over um, the country. Um, There were also some riots and and violent protests that rose up as well. Um, And on last Saturday, there was a peaceful protest that went from the neighborhood of Mayfield um, in the city of Fredericksburg uh, down to City Hall. Um, There was a peaceful protest. That was great. That ended. On Sunday, there were peaceful protests both in downtown Fredericksburg and in Stafford County at the marketplace. Um, And in Stafford County, there were some incidents in the evening um, where some people had blocked off 610. um, And the police department told them they needed to move. They did not move. Um, And there was tear gassing 
and the knocking down of young people and the forceful um, arresting of young people for their peaceful protests. And I personally spoke with Sheriff David Decatur in Stafford County, and he said they were looking into the issues to address those. Um, following Immediately following that situation on Sunday, going further into Sunday night, there were issues in downtown Fredericksburg with the uh, tear gassing um, uh, and rubber bullet shooting of citizens downtown. Now, I didn't see or hear about the rubber bullets, but people contacted me about that. Um, there were also a curfew that was implemented only in the city of Fredericksburg. Right. Um, not in Stafford, not in Spotsylvania, only in the city of Fredericksburg, because a lot of the protesting were coming to a culmination or coming to a head in the city of Fredericksburg. And I think people have to understand, you know, I, with me being a spiritual individual, it had to happen in the city of Fredericksburg because of the history uh, that has t- taken place in the city of Fredericksburg. Right. So yeah. a lot of people may not understand, but that's why I personally believe a lot of the issues um, transpired in downtown Fredericksburg. Um, and so time and after time and again, there were protests, there were peaceful protests, and then things went awearing. Um, the police officers marched and had an event with the protesters on Tuesday, um, and that went sour because immediately after the curfew came, and so they were again um, arresting and being forceful and out with the riot gear. So the people who were out protesting had lost faith in the police officers. Yeah because these were the same ones that were taking selfies with them and dancing with them. And then not less than 20 minutes later, they were trying to arrest them and harassing them over the curfew. Um, And so speaking with Chief Layton, um, they're reviewing those situations. um, And they, uh, many people in the city believe that the over-militarization and the forcefulness were not called for. We received numerous emails from people. But we also received numerous emails from people who were frustrated that the protests were happening in their streets and in their backyard. Right. Um, And again, that's when we go back to our conversation. If you're not communicating with people who are out there and you don't and you're not aware of what's going on, you can still miss the bigger message and the bigger picture. It's so true. And I was at this uh, particular protest that you were speaking of, the one on Tuesday. um, And Mm -hmm. I was uh, my family and I were there um, walking uh, the street with uh, a pretty big group. There were several groups that had sort of dispersed, but we were uh, with a pretty big group. And we were there at that at that exact particular time where. You, you know, the the marching and the walking started on the sidewalk, spilled over uh, a little bit into the street, and there was a very quick turn of mm-hmm. of the mood and and the response uh, from the police mm-hmm. officers there. And and you're right, there was there was a moment where I personally, and this is kind of where I'm just going back to my my view of the situation and, and what we experienced, but where where we saw, you know, very large police trucks coming up the road mm-hmm. very quickly in riot gear. Um, and, yeah. and so you wondered in that moment, and as we were standing there in the midst of it, why such an immediate jump to that action? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, talking with Chief Layton and talking with Sheriff Decatur, um, they did what they felt was their job. Right. Um, they had to protect the, uh, the locality. They had to protect the city in Stafford County. Um, but again, many of us feel that that excessive force was not necessary. Um, and we see that that's true because over the past couple of days, there have been peaceful protests. There have been scares. There was a march on the police department in the city of Fredericksburg, and there were scares. 
Uh, you know, so a lot of police officers were getting ready. I think they were getting prepared to take that excessive force again. But when they saw that the protesters were being peaceful and just marching from downtown to the police station, mm-hmm. you know, they let up on having to utilize that force. Time magazine, uh, Joshua, just recently uh, released their issue with a very powerful image on the cover and the headline that reads the overdue awakening. Uh, The picture on the cover was taken at a black trans lives matter protest. Do you there are there are a lot of groups that are speaking out right now. Do you think all of the voices are being heard right now? And do you think all of this is finally going to result in real change? I think we still have a little ways to go um, because there are still people who are not aware of the oppression and systemic racism that actually exists. Um, I don't think all voices are being heard. Um, I'm glad you mentioned a trans, a black trans lives matter uh, forum um, because there's still a lot of people, even when we talk about black lives matter, there's still LGBTQIA voices who aren't heard. Right. Um, there are still black police officer voices who are not heard. Mm. Um, so we want to make sure that during this time that everyone has the ability to express themselves. And that's why I've been listening to a lot of different sources, not just the people who are downtown, um, not just the people who are emailing in opposition, um, but I've also reached out. I have quite a few friends who are black police officers or officers of color. Um, and right now they are really conflicted. Many of them have said that they think they want to get out of the police force, yeah. that they don't think they can, t- can continue to serve. And some of them are frustrated that as black police officers, that the black community isn't listening to them or willing to hear their outcries either. Um, So I think there are a lot of voices we still need to pay attention to. Um, And as I've been sharing with these young people and the people who have been protesting, that this is not a sprint, this is a marathon. So we look at Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, some of those bus rides lasted for over 300 days. That's right. This is only, we're only in the 20, only in day 20 or so here Mm -hmm. with what we're doing here. So it may take a while. And for those of us who are committed to making change, we have to be willing to keep fighting, keep lifting up our voices, keep negotiating, even as hard and as tired as it gets. And I can tell you, you know, I have not been out protesting with them. I've been out listening, but I'm exhausted right now. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I can imagine so. I can. I can. I mean, but, it's... Um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's. I can only imagine how exhausting this is. You know, I'm. I watch your social media, and I would invite everyone to uh, to check you out on social media. You've you've done such a fabulous job documenting uh, the things that are going on, and and you haven't been able to be there for all every single moment. Uh, you know, because mm-hmm. you're still you're still doing other things, including trying to to make change. You know, like legislative change. You're 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 actually taking the word from the street from the people and you're trying to make real change talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing in in that in that regard absolutely so one of the things i've been sharing with them as they've been out protesting i told them you know i'm here to listen i'm not protesting with you because the way i protest is by writing legislation Mm -hmm. um and the governor had initially called a or hinted at the possibility of a special session due to covid and the shortfall in the state budget um, and with many people, if you may not understand how Virginia government works, the governor calls a special session, but it's the Speaker of the House who sets the agenda 
for the special session. Right. And so when all of this stuff started happening, I contacted the Speaker of the House and I said, hey, Madam Speaker, with everything going on, we may want to address abuse of power and police brutality legislation. And apparently I wasn't the only one of my colleagues to reach out to her about that. And so she has considered that. And so we've already started going to work to draft legislation to introduce at a special session. So we don't have to wait until January. Um, and one of the biggest things that I'm really looking into is an independent community review board. Now, in the city of Fredericksburg, they have a police advisory committee. Um, but this independent community review board would be mandated across the state for all localities to enact. Um, and if, the, if it's a piece of legislation that I'm drafting, because I know there's at least four or five other colleagues of mine that are doing the same piece, but the piece that I'm looking at would replace internal affairs for the police department. Okay. Um, and the board would have to be made up with the composition of the locality. So you wouldn't have an all-white board or an all-black board. Um, it would have to match the demographics of the locality, both with race, both with gender, both with age, as it relates to having you know, younger people on there as well as older generations. Um, and then on top of that, we want to make sure that no former police officers or retired police officers are on that board because they could be biased or look out for their friends. Right. Um, and we want to make sure that this board is just holding them accountable. Um, and also on top of that, we don't want to wait until situations happen to look at a police officer's track record to say, oh, he has five marks or complaints against him. We should be looking at that consistently um, to hold them accountable or to move them out of the way if need be or to get them the mental help they need. Yes, this is this is a big conversation that you're right will continue um, for a long time, uh, even though, mm -hmm. you know, we're I think we're hopeful that change is happening, but it's going to be it's going to be a change that's also spread out. It, it you know, some yeah. things are happening right now, but at the same time, it's going to be a change that's spread out because some of these things that you're talking about um, will take will take a little while. We'll take a minute. Absolutely. Um, and that's why I, I've been pressing for those who are on the battlefield, if you will, or on the ground um, that are demonstrating, that are protesting to remind them, you know, there's a group of people that protest. You go ahead and protest and you stay committed. But there's other ways that we can protest, not just by being in the streets. Mm -hmm. Many people can protest by sharing their views with others and just striking up conversation and having those hard, hard talks. Uh, people can have protests by communicating with police officers that they know and love and asking them, what is the problem? You know, is there any problems with them mentally? Are they dealing okay? How are they um, handling their, their mental health? All of these things are way we protest the issues of abuse of power and holding people accountable. Um, and so a lot of things we can do without you being on the street. Um, and I've been saying that to a lot of pastors with me being um, a, a part of ministry that you don't have to be at these protests. Just make sure you're making a statement. Right. You don't have to be visible as long as you're helping out behind the scenes or having communication, because many people protest and help in many different ways. Virginia Delegate Joshua Cole, my guest on the Sunday show this week, and uh, really just a, a powerful conversation that I hope to uh, continue. You know, uh, Josh, I think a lot of people, uh, at least on, you know, our social media here at the station and, and through text message and and whatnot, you know, we, we are hearing people want to know the avenues of change and how they can help. Uh, regionally, locally, what are some of the ways, I know there are so many organizations out there that 
it would it would do all of us a lot of good to to find out more about to educate ourselves about what are some of the ones that that are kind of come to mind for you that that people should be looking at there are quite a few that come to mind right off the top of my head and i could think about number one the naacp I serve as the president for Stafford County Branch. There's a Fredericksburg Branch, a Spotsylvania Branch, an Orange County Culpeper Branch. Most localities have one. Um, and you can also pay attention nationally because there's a lot of things that the national office put out, you know, they, they put out that maybe the locals don't. Um, but get involved, have those conversations. Um, there's also the Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, for the Fredericksburg region, which is made up of black business owners who are also expressing how they feel, especially with uh, economic impacts, not just from these protests, but from COVID Mm -hmm. and how they're dealing with it and how they are feeling the effects of systemic racism and oppression against their businesses as well. Um, And so those are two major organizations I could think of right off at the top of my head that people should research and look out for. Um, But then there's also just many of these churches. Um, There are older people who are still going to church that have lived through the civil rights movement, who have lived through and see things that have changed and things that haven't changed. And so we're really good to just communicate. And and one thing I said on Facebook uh, earlier this week is intergenerational communication is key right now. Oh, yeah. we need the older voices to give us the wisdom, and we need the younger people who have the energy to keep moving. And so if we communicate and share ideas, we can do greater things together. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I, and I also wanted to go back to um, you are in the ministry and you you do have a, a spiritual compass about this. What what is what is your spiritual compass about um, as as this has has come about? I, I'm sure that you are speaking to people on many different levels. And I know even on a spiritual level, what what has been your message? I think one of the things that we really have to look at, um, especially if we're talking about racism, is the aspect of a theological concept called imago Dei. Mm -hmm. It's a Latin term that means the image of God, that everyone created, regardless of their life decisions, regardless of what they believe, regardless of where they come from, regardless of how they were raised, we all bear the image of God. Um, And there is a potent scripture in Psalms 150 that says that everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And so when we talk about George Floyd um, or, or racism, anytime you view someone less than you or that you're greater than them, you see yourself greater than God or you view that particular person less than God. And if you strike out the, the breath of somebody or you, you stop the people from breathing, and that doesn't necessarily just mean physically. It could mean economically breathing. Mm. It could mean uh, educational-wise or different things like that. You are literally prohibiting them from following the decree that God said that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Because if they can't breathe, they can't live out their expectation. So we have to respect the image of God that every single one of us carries and honor everyone as a full human being and a person rightfully with inalienable rights from our Creator. I know when I have uh, witnessed you at uh, at these protests, uh, standing among young people, I have seen the look on their faces, looking to you for inspiration. W- what's been some of your comfort? Wow. <laughs> what's been some of your com- I, and I know you've inspired them, and and you you have given them a comfort that I can I can see it. What's been some of your conversation with the young people uh, out in the streets? 
So one of the things I, I really try my hardest not to do, and it's hard, of course, being a preacher, I try not to proselytize. Yes. But what I do try to do is share encouragement. Um, and a lot of them have just been like, you know, we, we feel like we're not heard. Um, sometimes there are even young people out there whose parents have kicked them out the house. And I recently spoke to a young black girl who parents have kicked her out of the house because they thought that she was going to get hurt out there. Mind you, she's fine and everything's okay. But a lot of people just need encouragement, um, especially when you look at the civil rights era. Um, it was tough. It was hard. Um, and for me, being a person of, of faith, I realize that my strength comes from the faith that I have. Everybody else doesn't have that, so we have to find other ways to motivate them. And I always encouraging, encourage them by letting them know. The more you lift up your voices, the more you will be heard. The more you stay in the face of the oppressor, the more they have to acknowledge you. Um, and so it, it's going to take some time. It's going to be hard. But sticking to it at the end of the day, you're going to see a great reward. And there's a scripture that says, Be ye not weary in your well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not, indicating that you know you're doing a good job. You know you're doing a good work, despite what people around you say. If you keep up in your good work, you will surely see the seeds of your harvest as long as you don't give up. Virginia Delegate Joshua Cole, we cannot be silent about things that matter. You truly are an inspiration to me, and I appreciate everything you're doing uh, out in our community and have always been doing, and you continue to be a light. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dee. I appreciate you. Your emails are always welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show or an idea for a future program, email D, that's D-E-E, at B1015.com. Sunday Mornings with D is powered by Mary Washington Healthcare, one of D.C.'s best hospitals that isn't in D.C. It's in Fredericksburg, Mary Washington Hospital, here for you. The thoughts, comments, statements, and opinions of the host and guest are their own, and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting, B101.5, or Station Management. Thanks for listening to Sunday Mornings with D. Daniels on B101.5. You know your own health better than anyone, and you know when something isn't quite right. If you're concerned that you may be experiencing symptoms of COVID-19, Mary Washington Healthcare is here for you. With COVID-19 testing sites around the region, you can get the answers you need and the peace of mind you deserve. Talk to your doctor and learn more at MWHC.com. With multiple COVID-19 testing sites conveniently located around the Fredericksburg region, Mary Washington Healthcare is here for you.